20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. One week. We are one week away from Packers Bears. Can you believe it? Just seven days away. Happy Sunday, everybody. Welcome into another episode of the Pack a Day podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. In just a moment, we're going to be talking about the Packers safeties. I tweeted something out. Some people took umbrage with it. I'm going to go over the tweet, why I said it, what I meant, and uh, sort of defend myself a little bit from the critics that didn't like the tweet all that much. But we'll go over the Packers safety position in just a moment. But before we get there, I'm so incredibly excited to announce I've officially launched Packaday Podcast YouTube membership. So right here on YouTube, you can become a member of the Packaday Podcast YouTube channel Super excited about it. There are four tiers that are available, Starter, Pro Bowl, All Pro, and then Hall of Famer. This is an opportunity for you to support the channel, support myself. Uh, First of all, I just want to thank you for being here, period. I don't expect anything, but if you want that extra level of Pack-A-Day podcast and a little bit more Andy Herman in your life, which nobody usually needs, but it is now there for you. Or if you just want to show support in some capacity, I have had multiple people reach out saying, do you have a Patreon? Do you have anything like this? So this is your opportunity if you want to support in some capacity financially. Again, four tiers. The first one's going to get you some loyalty badges, some emojis. The second one's going to get you all of that, plus some members-only video, a weekly live Q&A, a fantasy football pick with myself and any other member that's interested in joining. I'm going to do some fun prizes with that as well, and a member shout-out as well when you join the channel. Speaking of which, first two Pro Bowl subscribers, at Staggerin and at Snoopy Rob, Snoop Robbie Rob, excuse me. Thank you both so incredibly much for joining the channel. Appreciate you a ton, but that will get you uh, the shout out at the Pro Bowl level. All Pro gets you all of that. Plus we will connect on Twitter, which gives you exclusive access to DMing me any questions you might have. Plus you'll be on the Packaday podcast wall of fame, which will be a wall at the end of each video that will list your name on it. So that would be awesome. And then the Hall of Fame level gets you everything plus a shout out on every single video, plus a monthly either FaceTime, Zoom, or Skype call 15 minutes once per month. So a lot of different options available. Make sure to check it out below. um, Obviously subscribe to the channel if you're not already, but this allows you a different level of access to myself and the Packaday podcast. So check out those memberships below. Appreciate you guys. All right, let's go over the safety position in Green Bay, which I think if we're all being fair, is the weakest position. Maybe we could talk about kicker, punter, whatever, but I think if we're being honest, the one that we're most concerned about going into the season is the safety position. And just to be real, I'm I don't think it's okay to like I don't think anyone's super thrilled with the safety position. That let's just put it that way. So here is what I tweeted out. And let me just give you a slight background. I think some people sometimes think like, you know, when I tweet something out, like I've put a ton of thought into this. Sometimes I will like yesterday or uh, probably a few days ago now, I tweeted out all the snaps that people played in 2022 that are no longer on the team. Obviously that's a well thought out tweet, but the vast majority of the time I just get something in my mind and I'm like, yeah, this would be something I tweeted out. I don't put like the world's most thought into it. It's just kind of, you know, you, you get a feeling and you tweet something out. That's what it is. So here was my tweet, quote, Overall, I love what Brian Gutekunst has done this offseason in transitioning the Packers towards the future, but it's really hard to understand the safety room. They have six safeties on the roster. 
None are true starting caliber safeties, yet only two, Anthony Johnson Jr. and Zane Anderson, are under contract next year, and only Anthony Johnson Jr. is a possible developmental starter in the future. So not built to win now, not built to win in the future, while carrying six on the roster, not ideal. All right, so that was the tweet. So I received a multitude of responses, including some of these sort of things. You know, one was saying that they thought that I was saying that the Packers are not built to win now and not built to win in the future. No, that is not what I was saying. I was saying the safety room specifically, which is very clear in that tweet, but I was saying the safety room is not built to win right now because in my opinion, they do not have starting caliber safeties and the safety room is not built to win in the future. Meaning they have Anthony Johnson Jr., a seventh round pick who showed a little bit of upside, a couple flashes here and there, but that's your only potential developmental player. And he was just a seventh round pick. So not ideal to win right now, not ideal you know, setup to try to win in the future. The next was a lot of people explaining to me that they couldn't fix everything in one offseason and that they chose to target other positions instead, which, yes, clearly a level of truth to that, but that was not the point either. We'll get to the point in just a moment. The next thing that a lot of people pointed out to me was that they'll fix it next year. They have multiple free age or multiple draft picks, a little bit more salary cap space potentially, and that they'll just go out and fix it next year, which yes, they probably will. And I fully expect Goody to take a very long and hard look at that safety room. And more than anything, they're going to have to just because they don't have very many players under contract at that position. But this isn't about next year. This is about right now and me you know, finding it difficult to understand exactly what this safety room sort of is at the moment. Other people pointed to that this was a very bad draft for safeties and not a great free agent class for safeties, which is totally true as well uh, to some extent. But I also think that that's not fully the point either, which we'll go over in just a moment. And then other people pointed out, well, they didn't have any money to spend. So what did you want them to do? Which is also true. They didn't have money to spend, at least not a ton. But once again, not entirely the point. So let me explain to you exactly what I meant by the tweet, exactly what the point of the tweet was and we'll go from there. So the point is, A, the safeties are bad. Let's just start right there. Let's start nice and easy and simple. This is a very poor safety room as a whole. Darnell Savage is the king currently of the safety room. This is a player who was benched just last year because of his poor play at safety. And it's not like they benched him for a young up-and-coming player. He was benched for Rudy Ford. Like that's it. And then later in the year, Rudy Ford would get benched, by the way. These the, your two starting safeties right now, Darnell Savage and Rudy Ford, both at different points last year were benched by the Packers because of their play on the field. So those are your two starters right now. And for Darnell Savage, you have really four years now of completely inconsistent play. Now, not 2019 inconsistent flashes, but he was a rookie. You're excited still about those flashes, hoping he takes a step. 2020, he takes a step. It looks pretty darn good. Looks like a legitimate starting caliber safety. You're happy with it. 2021, really, really bad. 2022, really, really bad. And it's really hard to look at it and feel like there's going to be any sort of significant change in 2023. I will say, I did think he played slightly better when coming back from being benched last year, but it wasn't significant. And for the most part, we still saw the same Darnell Savage. And what I've seen so far in training camp and in OTAs in minicamp 
is the same Darnell Savage. It's not to say that he can't take a step or he can't play like he did in 2020. There's always that hope that he can. This is a true you know, um, contract year for Darnell Savage. So yeah, we could see maybe a little bit better, but for the most part, we know what Darnell Savage is at this point. So we know that. Rudy Ford, and, and I'll, let me say one more thing about Darnell Savage. To me, he's a number three safety. That's where you want him as, or like kind of like your sixth defensive back. So if you've got three corners, you know, three safeties, like in, in you're going into dime or whatever you like, he could be your dime defensive back. I think in an ideal world, he's sort of your swing safety, if you will, he can play either safety spot. He's the first guy up off the bench if one of your starters gets hurt. And then, you know, he can also play in your dime packages, can play a little bit of nickel, has some versatility. In an ideal world, I think he's your number three safety that has some versatility. Rudy Ford. Listen, I like Rudy Ford. I thought he, you know, he played hard last year. He rallied to the football. He was a mostly sound tackler, but he didn't always take the greatest angles in the world. Came up with a couple of big impact plays. In an ideal world, Rudy Ford is your number four safety who's kind of in an emergency situation. He can go in and play some games for you and in the meantime be a really good special team for you, a special teamer for you. In an ideal world, he's like a number four safety. So Savage is like a three. Rudy Ford's like a four. Jonathan Owens is a four at best. I, I'm not a huge Jonathan Owens safety fan. I do think he has a little bit of special teams value. He does have a lot of starts in this league. To me, Jonathan Owens, basically the Royce Newman of safeties. You can get by with them for a little bit, but you're constantly looking to upgrade and you really would prefer that he's just not in the game. I think Owens is maybe slightly better than that, but not by a ton. Dallin Levitt isn't a safety. He's just a special teamer. And this is like, if he ends up in the game, you are just drowning at that point because everyone else got hurt. But he's a safety on the roster, but he's more of just a special teams guy. Anthony Johnson Jr., I think you feel really good that he's your fifth like fifth safety developmental guy. I think that's the one guy who's sort of in the, the right spot. However, I guess we could argue that he's at the number four safety, right? Because Savage, Ford, Owens are probably your top three. Anthony Johnson Jr. is probably the next guy to go in, followed by Zane Anderson, followed by Dallin Lovett. So Anthony Johnson Jr. is probably your four. Even that, like you can maybe get by with a little bit where you're like, all right, he's the four. He's got some upside. He's a rookie. You you f- kind of feel okay with that, but in an ideal world, he's probably just a developmental fifth safety that can give you a little bit on special teams. And then Zane Anderson, I'm willing to withhold judgment a little bit because we haven't seen a ton out of him, but in all likelihood, just based on his track record so far, he's probably just a special teams guy and ideally probably your fifth safety at best. So you have a safety room that in an ideal world probably has a number three safety, a number four, a number four slash five in Jonathan Owens, two special teamers, and a developmental fifth safety. A three, a four, a four and a half, two special teamers, and a developmental five. That's what you probably have on the roster right now at safety. Meanwhile, right now, going into next year, in 2024, you only have two safeties that are under contract. Anthony Johnson Jr. and Zane Anderson. Those are the only two safeties on the roster under contract in 2024. And only one of them is a true developmental player where you maybe have some hopes for in the future, and that's Anthony Johnson Jr. Again, I think Zane Anderson is going to end up being just more of your special teams type player. That's probably it. So Anthony Johnson Jr., your only developmental player that maybe, maybe could become a safety or a starting safety at some point 
but even he was just a seventh round pick this year and may have limited upside down the road, but we'll, we'll wait and see. And I'm willing to withhold judgment there too, and think that maybe he could be a developmental player. We're just going to have to wait and see a little bit on Anthony Johnson Jr., but really only one developmental safety on the roster. And my overarching point here is that right now, Green Bay safety room is in complete no man's land. You don't have the safeties that can help you win right now. And you also don't have great developmental safeties. You have one that's kind of a developmental safety in Anthony Johnson Jr. Meanwhile, it is currently the biggest weakness on your entire roster. Hello friends. As many of you know, a few years back, the Milwaukee Bucks were in the NBA finals and I desperately wanted to go to game six in Milwaukee to see them win the championship. As you can imagine, prices were insane and I kept going back and forth with different apps to try and find the cheapest tickets possible. I finally found them, clicked purchase, and of course they were gone. Goodbye game six of the NBA finals. Now, thankfully, the day of the game, I was able to find a ticket, but the entire thing was so expensive and way too stressful. I really wish I could have simply used game time to alleviate all of the stress and all of the hassle. I've started using game time app for purchasing all of my tickets, and I wish I would have done so sooner. From low prices to easy to find tickets to last minute ticket deals, the game time app is perfect for all of my ticket needs. Game time is the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. You can get images of your seat before you buy. You can buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two clicks only in fact, and tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never need to dig through your email. The game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code PACKADAY for $20 off your first purchase. That's code P-A-C-K-A-D-A-Y. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code PACKADAY for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. So not great now, not great going into the future, and probably the weakest aspect of your team. So that's where I have an issue with it. You could tell me that they have safeties that can help you win right now and aren't built for the future. They don't have those developmental guys. And I could say, all right, well, at least they have guys right now that can help them win in the interim. And we can worry about that position later. At least you've got some win now safeties. They don't have that. If it was the other way around, hey, they don't have great safeties. It's going to be the biggest weakness on the team, but they got three or four guys that they're developing and they're going to maybe be able to rotate those guys through, see what they can do. And hopefully, you know, hit on one or two of those guys that could be maybe starters in the future but they only have that one guy in Anthony Johnson Jr. And he's probably not going to play a ton, if at all, this season. So you don't have the future players. You don't have the now players. And that leaves you, like I said, in complete no man's land. And that is where my issue is at the position. It's not that they're not good. It's not they're not good and not developing at the same time simultaneously. And that is a place where you never really want to be. If you're going, and I'll say it one more time, if you're going to be bad, at least be bad with youth and upside and potential. That's If you're going to be bad, that's where you want to be. You don't want to be bad with safeties who are on one-year deals. That's the worst place to be. So that's where, where they are right now. So then I mentioned this on the yeah, happy hour the other day. So then people kind of wanted to say, well, Andy, what if they play well? What, what if the safeties just go out? What if you're wrong? Which has happened before. Full transparency. Wouldn't be the first time. Won't be the last. Been wrong many times before. It happens when you do 365 days a year and you have takes every single day, you're probably going to get some things wrong every now and again. So maybe this is one that I just get wrong. And maybe Darnell Savage 
it goes out. Let's just start with Savage because he's probably the one where if you like, if one of these guys went out and had an awesome year, it's probably not Owens. It's probably not Ford. It's probably Darnell Savage. Like, let's just say Savage goes out in a contract year and he kills it, plays at a Pro Bowl level and has his best season as a Green Bay Packer. All right. In which case you can probably get by with that. Like if Savage is a close to a pro bowler and the, and the other one's Rudy Ford, that's acceptable. That's fine. You're, you're, you're feeling very fine at safety in, in that situation. The issue then becomes what, what happens with Darnell Savage? Because now you have this trajectory of, he was a first round pick. You've invested a lot into him. He had an okay rookie year, a nice 2020, two really down years, and then a pro bowl caliber year. And now you have to make the decision, are you going to pay this guy a ton of money because he just had the best season of his career. You've invested a ton into him. And now like he could be a pro bowler from now on. And a lot of times what ends up happening in those situations is you overpay for the player and then it regresses to the mean and you end up probably with a Darnell Savage that's closer to what we've seen over the first four years rather than the fifth year. So you, even if he does play well, now he's an unrestricted free agent and you know maybe other teams just outbid you for him or you you know, bring him back on a huge deal. And maybe he just doesn't live up to that either. So that isn't necessarily the most ideal situation in the world. I'm not saying don't cheer for him to play well. It would be great. Like, of course, cheer for all these guys to play extremely well. And I hope I'm wrong. I would love nothing more than if I was wrong. And they just all balled out and played absolutely amazing, especially Anthony Johnson Jr. Since he's the one that's under contract next year. But it's hard to see a world in which they get to that point where the safeties are playing great and it just works out perfectly. And the reason that is, is because you have Darnell Savage, Rudy Ford, Jonathan Owens, and Dallin Levitt all on one-year deals. So if any of them go out and just tear it up on defense, now you have to make the decision and determination of, do we want to pay these guys some big free agent money coming off this one, you know, you know, anomaly of a season that they actually played extremely well when that hasn't been their track record as players in their careers. So finally, like kind of the next thing people then would like to point out and which is a fair thing to point out of, all right, Andy, if you're so smart, what would you have liked to have seen them do differently? Because we talked about it. They didn't have a lot of money to spend. It was a bad safety class. There was not a great free agent options in, in, you know, in free agency. So what, what would you have liked Brian to do different? It's a fair, fair question to ask. And let me start by saying, I do really like the Anthony Johnson Jr. pick in the seventh round. I think that's exactly what you want to do is try to get a few of those type of guys on the roster to just see, can something hit out of nowhere? There, look at Carrington Valentine. Like what if Carrington Valentine was Anthony Johnson, like from a skill standpoint, like an Anthony Johnson Jr. And Anthony Johnson Jr. was tearing it up like Carrington Valentine had. You're feeling probably pretty good about safety. Like, all right, Darnell Savage and Anthony Johnson Jr. Who's playing at the Carrington Valentine level of a seventh rounder. You probably feel a lot more decent about the safety position. It just so happened the, the guy that they hit on in the seventh round, at least the best so far, seems to be the corner, unfortunately, and not the safety. But that's the sort of pick that you want to be making. And I really like the Anthony Johnson Jr. pick. So let me start by saying that. Now, I do think there was a player available in the fifth round that I did like that I actually thought might go in the second or third round that was available when they picked in the fifth when they took Dontavian Wicks, and that was Antonio Johnson. Now, to be abundantly clear, Antonio Johnson doesn't really hit the normal thresholds that Green Bay goes for at any position, much less safety. He was a little bit slower, didn't test the greatest, but this was a player who was considered to potentially be, like I said, a top 100 player in this draft. Most people had him in that range. And here he was available in the fifth round as more of your sort of kind of like box safety and um, a little bit more physical. It looked like he was going to be 
really in Jacksonville's plans this year. He did have a injury that kept him out the last week. We'll see what happens. He might be available for week one. We're not quite sure yet, but ultimately he was a player that I liked in the fifth round. I liked Dontavian Wicks too. So there's a you know risk reward here and they could lose out on a nice wide receiver, but I could make the argument that right now is the is the team that different if Grant Dubose, you know, Grant Dubose is on the 53 as a six wide receiver Grant uh, and uh, Dontavian Wicks is not, and you have Antonio Johnson as a potential starting safety? I don't know. Like I, I, I'm, I'd be certainly fine with that. I don't, I'm not losing any sleep over it if that's the case. And like I said, I like Dontavian Wicks and he could end up being really, really good. And I like that selection a lot, but that's a safety there that could have potentially been available. Meanwhile, another thing that I would have liked to have seen is them be ultra aggressive in undrafted free agency at safety. They brought in Benny Sapp. They didn't do a whole heck of a lot else. And five five uh, undrafted free agent safeties made the initial 53-man rosters for teams. Ronnie Hickman, Matthew Jackson, AJ Finley, Quindell Johnson, and Kayvon Merriweather. Five undrafted free agent safeties made 53-man rosters coming out of camp. And what I mean by being aggressive, Green Bay isn't super aggressive with their signing bonus and guaranteed money for undrafted free agents. They were at a spot at safety with no youth and no real like long-term upside at that position, where in my opinion, they needed to be more ultra aggressive, give out some big signing bonus, give out some big guarantees and get three or four undrafted free agent rookie safeties just to see like, hey, can you hit on one of them? And like I said, there were five guys out there who ended up making initial 53-man rosters at safety as rookies who were undrafted free agents. And instead, and I like Benny Sapp. I think he's a nice practice squad player, but I I don't think Benny Sapp was ever really in consideration for a 53-man roster spot. And meanwhile, they've got six guys on the roster. Could they have found a little bit more youth and been a little bit more aggressive in that undrafted free agent process? Meanwhile, there was a free agent available that I do think maybe, maybe could have made some sense. Maybe it's a slight reach. I don't necessarily think so. But Julian Love, who was a member of the New York Giants, signed with the Seattle Seahawks, is going to get significant playing time for them. He signed a two-year $12 million deal with the Seahawks, is only 25 years old. So he's still within Green Bay's window of being young and you know you can continue to move forward with him. Only a $3.9 million salary cap hit this year, which you could have got down a little bit more if you put a little bit more like backdated, um, you know, some, you know, some, uh, you know, dummy, you know, years on the contract and things like that. They could have done that. And even if you take the 3.9, if they get the Rashawn Gary extension done anytime soon, they could have easily fit that in this year. And then he has an $8.1 million contract next year, but only $2.4 million in dead money if you decide that he doesn't necessarily work out. And that's where you sort of have that that team option, what I would consider sort of a team option, where you're bringing in a 25-year-old safety on a less than $4 million deal this year who fits your timeline, fits your time frame of trying to build a, a future on this team. And then you have the option next year. If he plays well and he plays great, he's got $8.1 million on the deal and you're willing to pay him that. If he doesn't, if he didn't fit and just it didn't end up working out, all right, you take the $2.4 million in dead cap hit and it's not really that big of a deal. You ended up paying him basically $6 million for the one year and you move on. But I, he looks like he's going to play a significant role in Seattle this year. And like I said, he fits the timeline for him. That could have been something that they looked at that would have helped you now and could have potentially helped you in the future if he ends up playing well. 
Could you have looked at a Yash Nyman trade? Is there a team that would have potentially had an extra safety? And I'm who knows what teams would have been interested in Yash. So I'm not even going to throw out a name here, but could you have at least called around to say, Hey, we need a young safety. You need a swing offensive tackle. Let's figure out something. Let's work something out here. And that's maybe another direction that they could have gone in. I also would have potentially claimed Tristan McCollum off the Philadelphia Eagles. He's a safety that I liked coming out of college. I think he has really nice upside. He played well in the preseason. He's 6'3", 195, great athleticism. He's still only 24 years old. You can still sign him right now off the practice squad from Philly. That at least is a player who I think has some upside, unlike, you know, probably, and I, again, I'll, I'll hold my thoughts until I see him a little bit more, but in Zane Anderson, Anderson's probably better at special teams right now, but McCollum has more upside moving forward as a player that you might be able to develop. And here's the thing. I'm not saying they should have done all of these things. I'm just saying that I think there were some options out there. And even if you went into the season with Darnell Savage as your one and Rudy Ford as your two, but had Anthony Johnson Jr., Antonio Johnson, Kayvon Merriweather as your three developmental guys, and then Dallin Levitt as your six as a core special teams guy, you still got Savage and Ford starting and it's not ideal, but okay, it, it happens. You didn't have a ton of free agent money and you didn't have a ton of, you know, there weren't a ton of great safeties, but now you've got a seventh rounder that you're developing, a fifth rounder that you're developing and an undrafted guy that you're developing, all of which are worthy of 53 man roster spots and could develop into players that you could potentially start down the road. And you still have your core special teamer and Dallin Levitt. That to me, if you're going to carry six safeties on the roster would have been a much better way. Even if they didn't, like, let's say they just were dead set on Dontavian Wicks and they couldn't get Antonio Johnson, could you've gotten a couple of those undrafted free agent safeties? Darnell Savage, Rudy Ford, Antonio, or excuse me, Anthony Johnson Jr., Kayvon Merriweather, and maybe they got Ronnie Hickman or Quindell Johnson or one of those other guys. If they would have been super aggressive and undrafted free agency, maybe now you've got a few of those guys that you're potentially trying to develop. So that's what I mean in you're just caught in that no man's land where you don't have safeties now, you don't have safeties in the future, other than maybe, you know, Anthony Johnson Jr. And I think they could have been a bit more aggressive trying to find a little bit more youth that maybe could help them in 2024, 2025, even if it's not here and now in 2023. And the thing that you have to remember too, for a team that's developing young players all over the place, at almost every other position, they're developing these young players. Every Rudy Ford, uh, every Darnell Savage and every Jonathan Owens snap that is taken on the field next year is probably a net zero for you know development of, of future Green Bay Packers. Because there's a great chance that Rudy Ford and Darnell Savage and Jonathan Owens are all gone after this year. So you're giving them snaps, not developing anyone, and they're probably gone next year. So that's why I, I just, it's it's a hard position to figure out I can understand it. Let me just recap one more time. I do think it's the worst position on the depth chart, very limited long-term upside, and your snaps that you're giving to players could be completely lost from a developmental standpoint because all the players that you're giving the snaps to probably not on the team in 2024. So I do think there's reason why Green Bay is in this position. I do think the fact that it was a bad safety draft, a bad free agent class, and only so much money to spend, I think played a factor here. I think that's totally fair to say. I think they had a sunk cost with Darnell Savage and they just said, let's just keep trying to develop this guy and see what we can get out of him. I think the idea of them playing the two high safeties gave them a little bit more comfortability of being like, 
hey, we don't need an Earl Thomas or a Nick Collins if we're going to play these two high safeties. We just need some okay players back there, hopefully pressure up front and our play of our corners can mask some of the issues with our safeties. But I promise you, you guys are probably not going to be super excited when the Packers are giving up big plays on defense because the safeties aren't up to snuff on the back end. We went through it before Adrian Amos, right? We went through it where, you know, before they they got Amos in as like the Mr. Consistency, where there was some really bad safety play for a long time. And then Amos came and everyone was like, oh, thank God. They, they finally have that guy that they can trust on the back end up until last year where he just lost a step. So, you know, I do think that this is going to potentially be a position where you start feeling that pain again of like, oh my goodness, they just don't have the safeties who actually play safe on the back end and give you the guy who can make the easy tackles on the back end, make sure that those explosive plays aren't happening. And if Green Bay starts giving up big explosive plays, that could really end up costing them games this season in a very significant way. And then, you know, I I think that's just where it is. And I do think too, the other thing I will say is I do think you can get by with one bad safety. Look what 2010 when the Packers won the Super Bowl. Like Charlie Pepper was not anything special. No disrespect to Charlie Pepper. Not meant, you know, meaning him to catch strays of all people on a random episode here. But if you've got a Nick Collins, you can get away with the Charlie Pepper. And, you know, I think maybe, you know, Green Bay just felt like, hey, maybe Savage can finally play and we can get away with one other guy. I don't know. I can I can understand how it got to this point, but I think it's also fair to point out this is a very barren position at the moment. It's probably going to cost Green Bay throughout the course of the season, and they don't have the players that can maybe potentially build, they can build around moving forward. And you just don't ever want to be in that no man's land at any position. And it's great that safety is probably one of the lesser, I don't know, valued positions in the NFL. So it's not like it's one of the main ones, but I think you're still going to feel that pain. And you would just like to see a little bit more youth and developmental potential on this roster at safety right now. So that's why I tweeted it. That's what I meant by it. And I stand by it. And I think it's totally fair analysis, but sound off in the comments below. Let me know if you disagree. I totally understand. That's why we talk about these things. It's fun conjecture, but that's all I have to say on it. So make sure to subscribe. Make sure to join. If you're interested in joining as a member, we've got Packaday Podcast merchandise in the store as well here on the YouTube channel, or you can go to packadaypodcast.com. I will see you guys right back here tomorrow, but until next time, and as always, go Pack Go.